Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 147 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Bex. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm all right, how are you? Yeah, good, not bad, not bad. Busy weekend. Yes, yes, it has been a busy weekend for both of us. So uh, what have you been up to then? Well, I'll say as if you don't already know, but uh, <laughs> obviously PC Gamer Weekender yes. featured quite heavily i think i actually stood up and was talking on camera for about seven and a half hours in total <laughs> i'm not sure anyone's going to want to listen to me talk to for that amount of time no but no, i did, did loads of interviews and things with uh, far more interesting people than myself the channel one of the channels i was working for wanted to interview the farm simulation guys <laughs> i forgot the name of the game it's called um, real farm that game yes. real farm that's the one uh, lovely guys and that was quite a funny interview in the end because uh, they said we've got a new DLC out and I said oh really what's the DLC called and he said potato crop (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was these games are really popular and I'm sure that you know Mm. they've got they've got a huge following it looks like they put masses of effort into them but it's it's just so far from from my own personal taste that it's just a really interesting one to be talking to someone about um but we, we had good fun it actually worked out to be quite a a fun interview. I'm looking forward to seeing how how that one comes across or if I just look slightly mystified by the whole thing in the way people probably look at me mystified about the stuff I like as well. Um, But yeah, it was generally a good busy weekend. Um, I got given um, some socks by the, the Fat Shark Yes, developers I, I, I got some socks as well. Yes, <laughs> but they gave me two pairs of socks, so specifically I could wear them odd. Yes, <laughs> I saw them do that. They're, they're, not, they're not drastically odd. They're just the, the colours are reversed, so they're almost the same but slightly odd. Yeah, that's presumably just enough to avoid the uh, sock apocalypse that will apparently occur <laughs> if I ever accidentally wear matching socks yes. somehow. Because the people that one of the the people that follows me on Instagram came up with the tag. <laughs> And I I, I think my my socks may become more famous than me, which (laughs) isn't too difficult to do, I'll grant you, but it's still slightly disheartening because they put way less effort into things than I do. (laughs) Uh, I also got given a cat colouring book by the people that make a perfect date, a cat dating sim game. (laughs) Yes, it's a perfect date, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Lovely guys. Lovely guys. Um, But that was that was good fun. I'll be doing my colouring book next time I'm stuck on a long train journey (laughs) yeah other than that tv wise i finished the end of uh, star trek discovery oh yes what are your thoughts is that that ending was very much an end the end are they doing another season 
Yes, they are. I mean, okay. Yeah, there is there is another season coming. I mean, it, no, I wouldn't have said it, it. It's sort of the end. They, I mean, spoilers if you haven't seen it. Spoilers, but uh, they do end by meeting the Enterprise, which I thought was an interesting place to end it, and that's where they're going to sort of pick up mm-hmm. when it comes back for the new season. Yeah, because it felt sort of the way they kind of some stuff stuff up, jumped forward a little bit of time. It felt slightly like those nostalgic endings that they normally do at the end when they're not doing any more of a yeah. Star Trek series. Um, but I guess maybe that was just because they were wrapping up that that plot yeah, it's... and moving to another phase, or maybe they want to jump forward in time a bit for the next series. But I did watch it and think, oh, is there not going to be any more of this then? Because mm. it had that almost slightly cheesy and everything worked out kind of feel that they <laughs> like to do at the end of, of Star Trek, you know, the end of the end of the series kind of thing. Yeah, um... It was an interesting one. Interesting interesting series overall it's got people quite divided yeah generally i think it's gone down fairly well some people seem to have taken against it i personally i really liked it uh i i like that ending i think it's going to be quite interesting to see what they do with the Enterprise because that's a pre-Kirk Enterprise that they're dealing Mm. with. So they're going to be casting a new Captain Pike, one would suspect. It's possible Spock is on it as well, but we don't know that yet. So that's quite interesting because they have promised that they're going to resolve the issue that, uh, you know, because Spock and Michael are um, half-brother and sister, effectively. They were raised by the same parents. So they're going to be dealing with that and the fact that Spock has never mentioned this person before. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're sort of going to be dealing with that some point in the history as as well, apparently, next season. So Yeah, I think the fact that she was shunned and she was imprisoned as a someone who, you know, well, she's... She was yeah. already in prison. Then she's, you know, she started a war. Um, yeah, that could go some way to explain why he's never mentioned things. Plus, Spock was never particularly forthcoming about any personal information anyway. So, yeah, that's, that's not true. something I think is too difficult to to remedy. No. Um, it's more just that this series, the tone is so different. And um, the look and feel is quite different. And the Klingons are pretty different. That's the thing that if they actually want to tie it together, because I've been viewing it more as just a, a separate take, a separate universe in the way the movies are a separate universe now yeah. and, and so forth. Um, I've been taking it as alternate timeline. Um, so if they are actually trying to marry these things up, yeah, I think the way the Klingons look is probably going to be the um, the most interesting one because now they've looked three or four completely different ways in the uh, history of Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that will get resolved as well because they they have done some explanation for that in the pre in the other series about you know the sort of genetic mutations of the original kind of branch of Klingons, which is why they look more humanoid than the ones that we see in Next Generation. But mm. then these are again are quite different. So I, I don't yeah, know. But we'll, they just we'll laughed they it off in Next Gen, didn't they? They had them kind of going, "This is a period of our history we do not don't speak talk about." Of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's not really the way you could handle this one because they look no. significantly more aggressive and alien in this one than yeah. they do in the the later slash yeah. earlier series is that timelines timey wiminess um but i did i did enjoy it um i could kind of take it for what it was as a alternate take because every series of, of star trek so different that i think it's easier to jump into something that's very different with them yeah than some other long long going sagas um other than that I've been watching Altered Carbon. I've not finished it yet. Yes, yeah. Loving that so far. 
Good, good. Yeah, I mean, that that apparently has had some fairly mixed reactions of people finding it too confusing, which mm. I thought was interesting. And I, I said before, you know, it's something you need to concentrate on. But, I, you know, it, it's all in there. There's just, it's very dense. There's quite a lot of stuff packed in and you just need to focus on it. It's not confusing if you know what, if you make sure that you're actually focused on it and not half on your phone while you're watching it. Yeah, it's definitely one that requires attention. I mean, for one thing, it's beautiful to look at as well yeah. as as well as well listen to it. It isn't a series where you where it's mostly just done through the dialogue, the whole world building and everything that's going on is integral to every frame of film there. They've put a lot of money and a lot of effort into it and it looks it looks gorgeous um so it definitely is one to pay attention to which i like in a series but i, I haven't found it confusing at all but i'm of course like this kind of cyberpunk thing is exactly the sort of media i yeah. consume in all formats and the tropes of this genre are incredibly familiar to me so i don't know if that's if that's you know making it easier for me but even Maybe. so i think that they are there's plenty of exposition in there yeah yeah. Um, to take people through. Um, so I think it's just maybe people have got a little bit too used to your Hawaii Five O's and Taken and um, <laughs> these kind of things. And it's it's a different sort of thing. It's a it, it's a thinking man's violent sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Mm. Anything else? I put up a video on YouTube of me losing horribly at Tetris. Did you see that one? <laughs> yes, I saw that one. Yes. And you did <laughs> lose horribly. I mean, to be I fair, you, it was two-player Tetris. So, you know, it wasn't normal Tetris. So. It it was well it was two player tetris not over game boys it was over game boy cartridges into super famicon or snares as it's called tv yeah. crt tvs so <laughs> it's a very convoluted retro setup yeah and it's me on a day where i'm ill i've not even brushed my hair i look terrible in that video i'm, I'm completely <laughs> ill and i haven't played tetris since i was about seven uh excuses excuses yeah <laughs> versus a guy who started his career as a developer developing game boy games <laughs> <laughs> who owns all the setup in the video um, right. and in the video explains how he played Tetris constantly <laughs> as a child. And I'm sitting there going, I sometimes played the next door neighbor's Tetris. I didn't even have a Game Boy. <laughs> uh, if you look at the end of the video as well, we kind of, um, we like, we high five and things at the end. And if you look at the screens at the end, it appears in the video, I lost three nil. Actually, I lost four nil. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can just see on, on the TV screens behind us that, yeah, oh I lost four nil. We'll see. I <laughs> You know, it, we didn't even intend to put that video on YouTube. We just did it for a laugh. Yeah. And I was going to delete it, but someone else said that's kind of funny. And I was like, yeah, why not? The internet is definitely a place for making a fool of yourself. <laughs> yes, very true. And um, I thought that was a good lead up. Was put that video online, then immediately go to PC Gamer Weekender and be like, ah, oh, Poyo Poyo Tetris. That's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Let's lose even more four player Tetris. <laughs> oh, dear. It's amazing Tetris is still kicking around, like, you know, at a modern game show at this point you know yeah some things just work and i think any concept like tetris pong um yeah. i played a game called um nippon marathon which yes. is a, a racing game but it's kind of sort of a bit like mario kart but funny characters running down a street and falling over things because you can throw through to each other and trip each other with banana skins and yes. it has extra elements like there's a did you see the bit where um a, a news reporter stops the race to interview you <laughs> no i didn't didn't see that bit no and you get like a, a second to choose words that then get inserted into a pre-made sentence and there's four <laughs> players and you can only have you know one word each so you sometimes get left with an odd word yeah 
and then it makes the sentence out of this weird like collection of words you have put together through <laughs> not really choice and then the crowds at the marathon cheer for the best one and you get some extra points <laughs> um so it's very much a party game type thing and it's yeah. like it's you know the idea of just having a you know a racing game where you throw fruit at each other again doesn't get old yes yes it looked quite like that <laughs> what was your highlight of the show well i mean i had played a few different things i mean my highlight of the show was probably empires apart but we'll, we'll come to that in a in a bit i had to go on uh star wars jedi challenges mm-hmm. which i know you've played quite a lot because did you get sent yes. a kit to try i, I did that's probably the best thing i've ever been sent um yeah. yeah i got i got sent a copy of it and i've got a little little clips of me playing it up on instagram but i am going to do a full review of it as well mm. um but it is it is quite I, again another thing that doesn't get old waving around a lightsaber <laughs> well yeah yeah she I mean, says going to a lightsaber lesson at a sword fighting <laughs> place tomorrow <laughs> doesn't get old no i mean it's uh it was good fun my personal feeling is it's still very overpriced i mean they they were selling it there i believe it's it's gone down from the 250 pound launch price which was ridiculously overpriced it's mm, down to 150 yeah it's down to 150 now which is getting more reasonable and i mean you get the headset the light saber controller and the the little ball thing which is the sort of thing that knows where you are positionally you get all that and i suppose a standard game is any is around about 60 pound for a console so maybe 100 pound you could probably 125 is probably justifiable for it but yeah 250 was definitely too much um mm. and it's limited that, on the games as well so yeah jedi challenges that it's an exclusive for that headset if they were going to do other games that use the headset and maybe just different peripherals yeah it would feel like much more of an investment you're literally buying that setup as far as i'm aware for one mm. game and there's no two-player option which is the thing that seems like madness to me if you yeah. could if you could just even if you couldn't you know proper lightsaber fight each other but if they had like a light gun peripheral so that you could stormtroopers shoot each other like you were doing laser yeah, tag yeah, yeah. in your house um yeah. that would be pretty good and a good use of the augmented reality type yeah. approach they've gone with it yeah it's an interesting one i'm going to do a proper full full review on it um which i'll send over to you as well but it, it's it's interesting the the peripheral though that the um the lightsaber hilt is gorgeous yes give them yeah that. it's the uh it's the skywalker lightsaber with a kind of mm. a little extra bit on the top of it but uh that's really really nice and i mean you know the the headset like you say is is not a straight vr headset it's an augmented reality headset so you're seeing the world around you which i'm not entirely sure of the point of that but uh, i mean it's one of those things that i suppose it's got that 3d chess feel because you're not only doing the lightsaber battles there's actually like a ground battle which puts a sort of ground battle out on the floor of your living room you know for you uh which is that's quite fun although did get quite repetitive fairly quickly uh and there was another game which i didn't get to try on there but i mean i had quite a good play with it i mean it's it's fun and if you're a fan uh, you know it, it could be very much worthwhile i just think it's a lot of money to spend on specialized kit plus you need the phone to go in it and i yeah I, and know, the game can, is big the amount of memory it takes off it takes took about 50 percent of my phone memory right that okay. i had spare at the time so it's i was deleting apps in order to put that one on because it's such a a big app wow um yeah. and that's you know just for the the three 
games that you get with it. So I think that's that is probably yeah. the the biggest hurdles with it. Uh, and it technically doesn't even support my phone. It yeah. does work on my phone, but it isn't one of the supported phones. You require a, a very new phone. So it's something to check definitely before buying it if it is something you want to pick up. Um, if they were to start making additional games for it, um, yeah. that would then, you know, even if they were just more Jedi-based games um, of different of different types, then that would definitely make it more worthwhile. So time will tell if it's one that's worth picking up or not. Uh, but for Jedi enthusiasts that just cannot <laughs> live without fighting Kylo Ren or Darth Maul in their living rooms, it's uh, one way of achieving that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, fun but a bit expensive at the moment. I think is probably the uh, the the thing I'd say about that. So um, other things I looked at: <laughs> PC building simulator, <laughs> which, which has a cer- certain sort of real farm kind of feel and uh, style mm. to it, I guess, uh, because it's something that you think, well, why are you doing this on a PC? It's actually was was oddly addictive. It's uh, I mean, it is basically what it says. Uh, I mean, they had an alpha. They've got very early alpha v- version of it, and you are using the. PC PC to build a PC, basically. Uh, a virtual That's quite PC. Meta. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're using your computer to build a virtual PC, is basically it. And they've got deals going with various manufacturers. So they've got like proper manufacturer cases and stuff in it and you know cards and that sort of stuff and it it takes you through the process of of building a genuinely building a pc and this is like i say the alpha thing that's all you could do with the version that they had they are expanding this into a full sort of pc build and repair shop Mm -hmm. so the game will be you running a full shop where you you know pcs come in and you know or orders come in you have to build them to particular specifications and PCs come in and you have to repair them and you've also got to balance the books and run the shop and grow the business and all that sort of stuff so that's what they're kind of building it into but it it was weirdly kind of and I mean I've never built a PC from scratch before so do you feel to, like you've learned something from playing the game though? Yeah, little bits. I mean, not not huge amounts. There, there are some things, I mean, they were saying that they are considering maybe tweaking things because at the moment when you want to put the processor like onto the card, it's literally a sort of, you know, click drop and making sure you've done everything in the right order and you put thermal paste on and all that sort of stuff. But in reality, that's kind of one of the scariest bits when you do it because they were saying, you know, you have the arm that comes down over the chip and yeah you have to sort of sort of force it in and you kind of am i doing this right have i just bent all the pins yeah that sort of thing so yeah i remember that that from my pc building days that kind of clunk where you have to put the processor in and you're worried that you haven't quite lined up the legs and you could have crushed your entire processor that cost you like so many weeks wages is um yeah that's definitely something that needs a mini game of fear. <laughs> yes. So it, whether they're going to put something more like that in as well, they, uh, you know, they they are still very early development. But it's an interesting idea, I thought, as a, as a something which is a sim, a sort of shop sim. I thought mm. it's intriguing, and it is quite meta the sort of building PCs on a PC thing. Real Farm, I also had a little bit of a play with, and I mean, you know, as much as Mickey taking as you want, and it's not my sort of game at all, but. It is a very good farming sim, as far as I can tell. You know, uh, as mm. you were saying, you start off with a car uh, and you are working for somebody else. You have to earn enough money to be able to buy your own farm. And yeah. uh, That's in the career mode. They yes. have an option where you can just
just jump to doing it like a normal sim or they have a career mode where you can kind of follow through the whole learning process of starting off as a farmhand and they're setting up your own business. But there, there are loads of games like this and they do really, really well. And I kind of think back to, I used to play SimCity and those kind of things and mm. they were just quite relaxing and yeah. there was sort of a sense of achievement to them. There was another one there as well called, I think it was called Production Line. Oh yeah, I didn't play that, but I did see it, yeah. Uh, which was a car manufacturer manufacturing company you would mm. run the, the factory that built cars and run the business and things i mean it's definitely something that's that's pc gaming definitely started off with a lot of these sim games yeah and they're obviously still a large chunk of the market and when you look at it n- nothing is any sillier than anything else uh, and i guess it's just for people that don't necessarily just want to shoot their friends <laughs> in games yeah uh, but yeah it was interesting to talk to these people and and figure out you know exactly all of the the thought and research that goes into these things as well same as with um, the Total War guys I got to interview them oh yeah yeah the uh, uh, creative assembly yeah yeah they have a actual you know a guy with a doctorate on the yeah. period of history that they are using for their game so they have someone you know PhD in hand who helps them research things for the game wow. and I always admire the amount the level of detail they go to and they were saying that they're basically now you know amateur enthusiasts in this particular period of history <laughs> from developing the game and I think that's that's quite cool and um, that level of thought and dedication really shows when you're playing a game i think yeah i mean i do really like those total war games and i've interviewed some of the guys from from uh, creative assembly previously um mainly about the warhammer stuff when they released that but i am always very impressed with how much detail and how big a sort of fans of either the you know, the warhammer thing or the amount of history that they look into for those sort of games they are brilliantly brilliantly done i love those those total war simulators so i i didn't get a chance to talk to any developers because they were only there i did all my interviews on sunday and they were only there saturday so um yeah we but, just uh, managed to, to catch them literally like half an hour before they were leaving to go on to it to another event and things like that right, yeah. um but i'll see if i can as soon as the video goes up on the channel that one was for I'll, I'll see if i can get that posted up to you as well yeah i'll send that across right next to the production line game that you mentioned was a little game called welcome to basingstoke i don't know that you saw this one but it was uh no i missed that it was called welcome to basingstoke and it's it's, it's I don't know why it's called Welcome to Raising Stoke, but it, it basically has set it in a sort of cute little zombie world. Right. It is sort of a the a world in the zombie apocalypse. It's all fairly cutie sort of graphics. You get certain little certain items that you can pick up and take with you, and you can pick up stuff in the sort of office buildings and stuff as you're wandering through. And you're basically you start off at this building or house that you're trapped in, and you've got to get across to the other side of the map. You're given things like sandwiches that you can use to distract the zombies that are outside and trying to eat your brains so when so you these go- sandwiches full of brains <laughs> i no, i think they're just very meaty sandwiches maybe so I you see. can throw them you can throw them at them and they run towards them uh, and you have other things like cans of hairspray that you can spray at them to keep them out of you know away from you and stuff and there's various other bits that you can pick up it's very easy when you start running to get caught by them particularly if you you have a flashlight and if you've got your flashlight 
flashlight on, they run towards you. So it's quite dark. So you've got to kind of either risk sort of finding your way in the dark or or turning the flashlight on and having more zombies likely to come running towards you. And you've got to kind of work your way through this map. But if they get to you, if the zombies get close, you've got a few seconds to be able to do something like throw a sandwich or spray them with something. Or uh, But after that, they will just swarm you and you're dead. So it was really tricky. But you know, I managed to get sort of halfway across the first map. I only played it for a little bit. But um, very kind of cute and interesting. You know, quite a hard game to play, but a uh, very sort of cute, interesting little game, I thought that. Uh, but that that was, uh, I think that's on, on Steam. It's uh, worth going to look at. There was a game called DRG Initiative. This had quite a large stand. Did you talk to any of the guys from there? I didn't get to interview those guys, I don't think, but I did see the stand and the game did look really interesting. Yeah, the basic setup for the game, the actual game itself is pretty standard in or looks pretty standard in terms of the setup. Uh, that's probably doing it slightly service to standard. It's a third-person team-based competitive shooter um, set in the future. There's a various diverse faction of characters. Um, interesting thing that you have with this is it's in a sort of Hunger Games-style arena. And, you know, the competitive shooter thing is fine and it's, you know, but there are a lot of those competitive shooter type things out there. The thing that makes this rather interesting is there is a kind of GM option. There is a games master option who, say he's a Twitch streamer, can have control over physical cameras which are physically in the game so you can actually see them floating around and he has control of the cameras he also has control of certain elements of the play area so if he wants to drop a bridge down when somebody gets close to it to help somebody out or if he wants to blow out a wall or something like that or if he wants to drop like particular loot box or something he has control of being able to do that so if you're a twitch streamer you can actually be the commentator like you have in the Hunger Games you know, books and films. Mm. He can be the commentator talking over the top. He can bring up stats. He can he can follow particular players. He can do rewinds on kill shots and stuff. And they're actually, I don't think it's actually in at the moment, but he was saying they're actually planning on having it so there are screens inside the game. So if there's a particularly good kill shot, he can throw the kill shot up to the screen which is inside the game as well, as well as being able to flash it up full screen on the Twitch stream as well. So that's a really interesting idea. And it's very aware of the games community and how things are at the moment. And it's utilizing the fact that people are people are watching streams of games people are watching let's plays they're watching twitch and giving that that voice to make it into like a tv show style format like hunger games as you said is a really really ingenious way of getting your audience more drawn in and recognizing that you have a a, not a user base of people but a a viewership for your game as well as the players yeah i i thought it was absolutely fascinating i i've uh I, you know, because I, I was saying to them, I'm not really a shooter, you know, an FPS shooter type person. I don't really do a lot of that sort of stuff. But the Twitch streaming controlling bit of it, I thought was really interesting. Plus, what they're saying is because the cameras are physically within the game, they're talking about maybe giving some of the players things like EMP bombs. So if they don't want to be followed, you know, if they want to be able to sneak up on somebody because 
it's possible that you know the 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 other team might have people watching the stream and helping them out if they don't want to be followed they can like throw emp grenades at the cameras to knock the cameras out or they they also said they had an occasion where one of the players had tried jumping on top of the camera to get a vantage point and uh he actually because it's not designed it wasn't designed to do that uh yeah the camera moved and he slid off but it did get them thinking oh i wonder if we can actually have that as a thing so i mean they're testing it at the moment and uh it's it's actually up on steam but it's it's called drg initiative and uh it's worth going to have have a look at particularly if you're a a streamer the other thing they said was they have a a twitch stream voting system built into it so like say you've got red and blue team if they want you can actually ask the twitch stream who do you want to get this loot crate and they vote like red or blue and that's extremely hunger games where the most popular people got medicine sent to them and, yeah. and those kind of things you could start like saying this this team's sort of down on players should we send them some health yes yeah. or no so while the base game is fine and, and fun and uh, you know i had a little play around in the arena and i'm not very good at those sort of games so lost fairly quickly but you know it, it, there's there's various different archetypes you know there's people with shotguns and sniper rifles and all that sort of thing you know all that stuff is in there but what i thought was particularly particularly interesting was this extra element you have of somebody being able to manipulate the environment you know and there there are zombies kind of characters who are these sort of drug adults zombie type creatures that are npcs that wander around and they're talking about giving more control to the gm with those so maybe the ability to fire off a random gas cloud which energizes those so they run towards it and then run out more powerful maybe you know stuff Mm. like that so there's lots of very interesting things going on with that. I, something particularly for gamers that like streaming FPS games, definitely want to go and have a look at, I think. Uh, yeah, like I say, it's called DRG Initiative. It's available on Steam. I'd go and go and check that out if you're uh, into your streaming and stuff. It's worth looking at. There was a, a couple of other little ones. There was uh, one called Anwin, which was this weird, like little, almost like a chessboard set out over a landscape. And there is this sort of eye, eye of Sauron thing, which is scanning around looking for you, and you have to move across the landscape by planting a totem. You then jump from the square you're on to the square where the totem is. You then have have to remove the totem and kind of jump onto the onto another square and the idea is to get round the board to a particular end point uh that was that was in still in early development but i thought was was quite an interesting cute little little game uh it's uh, awnwn so anwin i think it's called there was a railroad tycoon type game called machinsky and uh that was very detailed but uh, if you're into railroad tycoon sort of games uh, i thought looked quite interesting it had it had quite a nice thing where you could switch between uh, this may be fairly common in these sort of games i don't play enough of them to know but you could you could switch between like a technical building view and a uh, you know full like rendered proper view where you got to see like almost like a mini train set as it goes from like one village to another and you could build up things in the environment like 
hills and stuff as it sort of runs through and your the idea is you know to make money out of building your railroad routes and stuff but uh, that looked incredibly detailed and uh, i don't know whether there is a current railroad tycoon game but certainly if there isn't this is definitely one to look at there was a little game called candleman which where you play a a little sentient candle which has to uh, go through <laughs> where you have to go that through sounds like, incredibly like disney almost yeah well it, it almost is it almost like he's like playing the candle out of beauty and the beast um and uh he's having to walk through this environment which it turns out he seems to be on the bottom of a ship so you've got to jump from sort of boxes it's basically a platformer and as you go through it's fairly dark you can use a button to light your candle but that burns the uh, size of your you know your, your size down basically so you're losing light as you burn the candle so if you need to use it to, to see where you're going you're actually kind of taking some of your life away yeah, it's an interesting way of mixing up the mechanics of your movability and your ability to use your abilities and your your life your health into one singular visual yeah yeah kind of piece of the screen that's quite a cool idea that was quite good fun and and, uh, I mean, it, it's basically a platformer and puzzle sort of platformer. And you're sort of jumping to boxes and there's things that move up and down and you've got to try and find all the candles, all the other candles, that are non-sentient candles, they're on that level and light them as you go around. And that gives you a bit more light and stuff. So um, that, but that was really quite cute. And yeah, I, I actually spend, I, I was thinking, oh, I'll have a quick play on this and was there for about 20 minutes, just sort of playing two <laughs> levels. So it draws you in quite a lot. And you've got one more. Yeah, there was a really interesting little game called Sure Footing that I saw, which was a endless runner platform game, which is obviously the type where the character just runs forward and you've got to react and jump and yeah. do things. But rather than just being your standard type of platformer, the game developed itself. So it generates the level as you are running based right, on the difficulty okay. levels you've put in. And as you get better at the game, the AI in it starts generating harder parts of the level in order to learn with you to keep you constantly challenged. Um, <laughs> and then you can start powering up your little character with super jumps and slow down time and things like that but then the game starts trying to take you to other places and apparently when it goes to an australia type land and it's made up little robot world it turns the screen upside down and when it goes to some of the asian countries it flips the screen so you're suddenly running the other way across the screen and um, <laughs> it's got all Clever. of these things but the, um the sort of the technology and the thought behind the way the game works itself so that you could possibly never play the same game twice so you yeah. can't learn the levels wow the levels learn you um <laughs> i just found really fascinating um and i love that kind of innovation that you can sometimes only get in these these small independent creators um, yeah. which is yeah. pretty cool and you got to talk to a few people as well while we were there. Yeah, yeah. I got a couple of interviews in. This is the uh, last two games we played. One of them is called Empires Apart, which if you're a fan of games like Age of Empires, this is, is pretty much a modern take on Age of Empires. Sort of updated graphics. He was, he was basically saying that he wanted a, a modern updated RTS that was in the kind of classical sort of field of it. But I had a chance to uh, have a chat with him about the game with the developer of it. So uh, here's a little, it's in, they're only about six minutes, these uh, next couple of interviews, but uh, here's a little six minute interview with the uh, developers of Empires Apart. So uh, tell me what your name is and what's the game? My name is Gianpaolo Vernocchi, and the game is uh, Empires Apart. Uh, it's going to be out on March 29th. Uh, you can go to empiresapart.net, and we have a beta going on right now, so you can sign up 
uh, and we're still sending out keys uh, and let us know what you think about the game. Do you want to just explain a little bit about how you came up with the idea for the game? Oh my god. The idea for the game came up with frustration with not, no new RTSs coming out and uh, playing uh, old RTSs that are 15 year old which are great, probably some of the best games ever made, but man, they are 15-year-old games. Yeah. So try to set up a multiplayer match. Try to find your way out of a clunky UI. So we really wanted to play a new RTS that was old school and not sort of like a distillation of what an RTS is to the point where the game is in even an RTS anymore. We wanted to play those kind of games, but brought to the modern age. So give me a better UI. Give me, give me streamlined multiplayer uh, and stuff like that. So this is how the game started. The, we started development three years ago. We were just two people. Uh, and right now we're three. But <laughs> at our biggest, we were like 10, 15 people. Right. But it's a very, very, very small team. It's very much David versus Goliath in a lot of ways uh, when it comes to, you know, Empires Apart versus, say, Age of Empires 4. Uh, but what we did was we employed what we call open development, which means that everything about the game, about the development, was made public. Always, 100%. I even streamed the development for three years almost, twice a week on Twitch. So people would come in into the chat and be like, no, make that button bigger. I'm like, okay. Uh, and we had a very dedicated fan base that grew with us and that gave us feedback all you know along the way. And uh, we hope to have given them the game that they wanted to play. And this is the game that we wanted to play. I made this game because I'm like, I want to make a game that I want to play. That I, that I want to go home and play my game because there's no game like this and I want to go online and play against people. So that's how that's how it uh, it was born. But it, it works as much for competitive players, I would say, as much as it works for people that used to play Age of Empires like 15 years ago and are like, oh, I know this. But at the same time, after that five minutes of this feels familiar, then you dive deep into the different civilization. It's like, oh, this is new. This is like a whole new world. And every civilization is sort of like a new discovery. So we're really like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've just uh, picked it up and you've, You've just watched me play it for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, and it's incredibly easy to pick up. I hadn't even realized that you've got lots of different races and all that sort of stuff, so I haven't got into that sort of thing. But uh, you've got Byzantines, French, Aztec, Chinese, Mongols. How, how did you come up with those particular races? Why did you pick those? Last one is going to be Arabs. We're going to launch with six. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the reason why I picked these because we tried to give sort of like a good representation of all the cool stuff that was going on in the Middle Ages around the world. So we went from Mesoamerica to Europe to Middle East to um, Northern Africa and whatnot to Asia, of course. But at the same time, we wanted to have different play styles for every civilization. So we sort of like categorize them into three different main types. We have sort of like aggressive civilization. Those would be the Mongols and the Aztecs, the ones that are very, very good in the early game, but tend to fall off later on. Then we have the expansion civilizations, which are like Byzantines and French, which are slower at the beginning, but they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then we have the, uh, the Chinese and the Arabs, which is what we call like protection civilizations. And they're the ones that fare better, say, in team games. And they have the ones that are that have like the most, I don't want to say interesting because every civilization is interesting, but they are the ones that have like weird stuff that really, really shine in team games. Like, for example, Arabs have medics and, and uh, hospitals. Chinese have minefields and flamethrowers. They are really, really interesting and they really bring a new approach to the game. It, this is totally my sort of game. I, I'm, nice. I'm really enjoyed uh, playing it. I'm 
I will be getting hold of a copy uh, awesome. because it's completely my sort of thing. The artwork's beautiful as well. It's a really interesting idea for the artwork. What, what made you go down this particular sort of It's a slightly geometric sort of style yeah, you've got going? It's a stylized, low poly. The reason why we went with this style, there's multiple reasons, but one of the reasons was comes from our approach to history. So history, like Empires of Art is, you know, a historical game, but at the same time, we approach history like it was a tale around a campfire so sort of like a legend like i'm telling you about the aspects but from my point of view yeah. so everything is slightly exaggerated everything is slightly larger than life and if we went with a realistic style for example we couldn't have given the aztec warriors insanely large maces uh, that makes them very very cool but at the same time one thing that is very important in these kinds of games is recognizability so be, be a, the, being able to at a glance know oh that's an aztec warrior i need to counter it with this and if you have a very realistic game then yeah maybe if you zoom in and you get all of the shiny armor yeah it looks cool but from far away it's like what is that is that a spearman uh, you know being able to have very strong silhouettes and very strong unit, like very recognizable unit models was very, very important for us, especially when it comes to competitive. So this is why we went with this style. And, and we think, we think it fits well to give every civilization sort of like its own unique, like make every, like the architectures and the unit really shine for all, for across all the civilizations. Well, it's a, it's a lovely game. I look forward to playing a bit Thank more you. of it. So uh, out 29th of March. Yes, 29th of March. Um, and what, what's it available on, is, uh, on Steam? Yes, it's going to be available on Steam. Uh, again, empiresofart.net or slithering.com slash empiresofart. We're going to be on Steam. And like I said, we're still sending out beta keys. And we're still very much gathering feedback. We, we don't plan to leave this game alone anytime soon. There's always stuff to improve. There's always stuff to add to the game. So yeah, we want to keep our philosophy of open development going for as long as we can. Well, thanks for showing it to me. No problem. So that's the interview with the Empires Apart developers. You had a play with this as well. You spoke to the, the guy behind it, didn't you? Yeah, I had a chat with them as well. And we were just talking about how much we'd liked um, uh, all the old kind of RTS games and how we missed some of the way those played. Um, and that looked like it was going to be a, a really a really fun one just because it was based on the mechanics from, from games that old people like me used to play. <laughs> yes, and old Basically. people like me still play, yes. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> um, so, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I think we said, I said in that interview that uh, you know, I, oh, I'd been playing for about thirty minutes, and I really enjoyed it. We actually checked; I've actually been playing for about fifty minutes. <laughs> so it's one of those games that you end up sitting down and uh, you know thinking, oh, I'll have a, play, get a quick game of this, and then look at the clock, and it's one o'clock in the morning. It's one of those sort of games, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. That for me was probably my favourite game of the show. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed that. I will definitely be looking for for more of that when it uh, it appears fully online it's out fairly soon i think it's mentioned in the interview as well so i i will be looking for that the last game we need to talk about is uh, Warhammer Vermintide 2. This is the latest update of the Vermintide games. I've only really played these a little bit. It wasn't sort of something that I played all that much. But, uh, I mean, the, the interesting thing was there were about four different Warhammer games there from various different developers because they got two different, two very large stands for creative assembly. They've got Vermintide there and there was another little indie developer that was developing a Warhammer game as well. So uh, Warhammer was sort of all over the place, but uh, this one is kind of different because it's not really that RTS format. It's uh, it's a very different type of thing. So uh, we had a chance to chat with Matt, who was the developer, one of the developers of that game. So uh, here's the little interview with him. 
do you want to just explain what your game is and where you're from and just give us a bit of background? Yeah, sure. So the game is Vermintide 2. It's the sequel to Vermintide, which is a uh, four-player co-op uh, action-based kind of melee first-person game set in the Warhammer universe, the fantasy version of it. So uh, it, it, it takes uh, place during the end times when the world is kind of in our apocalyptic state. So we have free reign to wreck cities and invade entire areas of the Warhammer world. And you get to experience that from the eyes of uh, four or five heroes that try to survive and kind of stem the tide in, in a way. So uh, the games from us at Fat Shark were a small to mid-range kind of independent studio in, in, based out of Stockholm. Uh, so it's, it's our little baby. And <laughs> the first one... Uh, did uh, well enough so we can like just continue turning into the world of Warhammer with Vermintide 2. So um, what are the changes on this compared to the first one? Well, the major change you're going to notice is the addition of the Chaos Faction. The first game included and presented uh, the Skaven, and now they've made a pact with the Rotbloods, a Norsecan tribe that's fallen to Nurgle, so they're these big, hulking, kind of vicious raider Vikings combined with pestilence, corpse, zombie-type things. Uh, so they will work together. So what that brings to the table is a much higher contrast in both gameplay and kind of feel and immersion of the game because we can, we can mix and match and present different enemies at different kind of parts of different levels. And we do that dynamically and randomly. And, and we have this director system kind of keeps tabs on how you're doing. And we try to put the challenge quite high and then put another marauder on top of that and then see how you're doing before we kind of let you deal with that and move on. So the biggest thing is just the range of different combinations of challenges in the game is hugely more potent than it was in the first game. Other parts just include, I mean, we, we did a, a lot of rework to just make sure that the, the, our engine and our ability to be responsive and continue supporting the game is is there and in a solid place, which is super important for us. Uh, and we've also looked a lot of the loot and progression in the game. So we provide uh, three different career choices for each character. So we have 15 different careers in the game, which just allows us to kind of give you the opportunity to play whatever kind of character in the Warhammer world you want. At the point. And also have a much smoother progression system. Because the first one was kind of hit or miss. You got one item after completing each map. Now you get more loot and we have kind of spread it out over a loot system and a talent tree with some abilities and stuff as well. So, so it's more of a tinkering toolbox for you to actually build a build that you want to play with rather than just picking one weapon and running with. Were you a particularly huge fan of Warhammer prior to getting involved with this? Uh, I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of one of, I'm an orc player. So right. I've been playing orcs since 96. So, so I'm not, I'm not super deep into the general lore of like all the different factions because to me, they're all for stomping. <laughs> You know, yeah. Yeah. I spoken know like a true orc. Yes. Yeah, you know, I know the sounds an elf makes versus a stunty and stuff like that. But, but no, I mean the Fat Shark Studios is is kind of at least half the studio is quite hardcore Warhammer nerds, and and we're talking Warhammer tabletop, we're talking 40k as well. 
all of the kind of minor games, a lot of Warhammer role-playing game, which I think is more where Vermintide came from rather than the tabletop, since it's from a, like a heroic yeah. perspective rather than a big army perspective. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's it's almost a hindrance in the production because we go like, okay, we want to have a slayer in the game, but he cannot use ranged and he will never use shields. And, and from a gameplay perspective and the game design perspective, that's quite a big problem. Yeah. But, but it's like for us, it's intuitively self-evident that that's just the way it has to be because there's no way we could we're not even gonna ask if we can like tune the lore a bit but so no it's it's great i mean i think it's one of the reasons why we push forward with vermintide 2 as well and, and have been so keen to just make sure that we can continue supporting it as well because for us it's more about like yes now we can make more warhammer <laughs> like but is there financial profit to no, we don't care we just wanna... <laughs> Yeah, I mean the Warhammer brand is is all over the show this oh, uh, yeah, this yeah. time around. There's, I, I think I've spotted at least three, possibly four or five yeah. Warhammer games here. So I suppose the unique thing about yours is it's it's not like a tabletop yeah. game over, yeah. over the others. Yeah, no, I mean we I think we focus more on the world and lore yeah. of Warhammer rather than any trying to like copy paste a pre-existing tabletop game or anything like that yeah. and and that i mean i think for me it's, it's talking about warhammer in general i think that's has always been the pull for me yeah that there is this i mean warhammer has this thing where it's always vague enough for you to be able to project yourself and do it and just like yes I, this is so me this sub faction of this thing yeah. because they have that thing where they work with really clear and nice kind of archetypes of stuff without going into too much detail. Yeah. And just being able to take a, 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 a slice of that and then just rendering it to players to, to experience in, in crisp detail is it's so interesting to see. And especially when you match people's expectations. You know, when you have like, you have chaos players coming in here, like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've imagined the like, what a proper Marauder would be like for so long. And now I get to see it and it's yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and that's, it's a special feeling. You know? So I've just played through the demo, which was great fun. When is is the game likely to hit? Yeah, really close. We actually we we went out with a release date like last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, so March eighth. March eighth. Oh, okay. So you're really corner. Yeah, yeah. So this is pretty much my I have one weekend off to just go and and infuse myself with the creative enthusiasm of the masses or something and then it's just back to nudging the last kind of balancing bits and stuff so we're running we're running technical tests right now with with closed betas and stuff and we're gonna open up the pre-order beta that february 28th just to get those last bits kind of let the players in and, and and just tune the last balancing bits because we're at that point where the game's foundation is solid the gameplay is there it's more about just tuning like okay this weapon against this enemy on this difficulty this far up in the progression might be a bit off stuff like that cool well i look forward to, to seeing it coming out it uh, it should be ready me too <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome cheers cool. So that was the interview with Matt. Uh, you spoke to these guys as well, didn't you? I did, yes. One of the guys I spoke to, we both did some uh, windmilling with our hair, heavy metal style. Yes, so yeah. That long was... blonde hair and my blue hair. Um... <laughs> I, I was very tempted to post a photo of the two of you stood next to each other with the top of his head chopped off because he was about <laughs> like two and a half foot taller than you are and it was just hilarious watching your interview kind of with the mic up in the air <laughs> at least two and a half foot taller than me and yeah. um yeah he works for the action team that deal with uh, <laughs> the violence gore and weaponry of the game it's just the whole thing was just ridiculously cool 
I have to say. Yeah. They were really, really lovely guys. Yeah, no, really, really nice guys. Uh, I that's coming out very, very soon as well. So uh, another one to look out for. So I think that's all the stuff we've got from PC Game Weekender. Let's move on to some more traditional TV and film news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So TV and film news this week. We've got the air date updates as usual. A few interesting things popping up. Uh, BBC have announced filming has started on the new Alan Partridge show, which is apparently called This Time with Alan Partridge, which sounds like he's got a guest slot or a slot as a guest presenter on a this on a sort of either a this morning or a one show type of thing. I think it's more of a one show magazine show sort of thing. So he's a guest presenter on that as the sort of you know him being let back onto the BBC for the first time since somebody got shot on his previous show. <laughs> so uh, I think that could be quite interesting if you're uh, into Alan Partridge, that would be one to look out for. Bosch is back uh, for its fourth season on Amazon. That comes Friday the 13th and uh, of April. That's back. And, uh, it's also, also got a season five renewal already for that. So we're at season four, Friday the 13th. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, that's back for uh, season four, part one of season four, because they're split it in half. That's coming on Wednesday the 30th of May. Midnight Texas got a second season renewal. Uh, it's got some new uh, showrunners and a couple of little cast changes, but uh, that's coming back. And a lot of people thought that would probably be cancelled, but uh, they've they've managed to rescue it. So that is definitely coming back. Grace and Frankie renewed for a season five. It's got RuPaul is a guest star as well. That's coming to Netflix. Then a couple of uh, BBC air dates. Assassination of Gianni Versace, the American crime story. That's coming Wednesday, the 28th of February at 9pm. And Strike Career of Evil, which is the last of the Strike adaptations. That's coming the 25th of February at 9pm. So uh, they have been really good, actually, those Strike adaptations. I know they're not particularly genre, but they were very, very well done. I really enjoyed the first two, so I'm looking forward to that. It's only two episodes i think this one so on to some bigger news stories vikings creator michael hurst is teamed up with martin scorsese to take on robe it sounds quite epic yeah <laughs> i don't see how it could fail to be pretty epic Yes, it's a very interesting two people to bring together because Vikings has been certainly a very highly acclaimed series, even if it is a bit liberal with uh, some of the historical accuracy. But uh, but it has been a Just fairly a smidge. <laughs> it has been a fairly kind of um, you know epic series and uh, interesting. And Martin Scorsese apparently has been very very interested in old rome and the caesars for a very long time so they're both sort of nerds about history and uh, particularly this genre of history the new show is called the caesars it tells the story of ancient rome's early rulers it's beginning with the rise to power of julius caesar hearst has already written the pilot which is expected to shoot in italy next year with an outline for the rest of the season they've not got a studio attached to it but i mean it's it's much 
it's Michael Hurst and Martin Scorsese. It's not exactly going to have a problem getting picked up, I don't think, by anybody. I think they'll have their pick of several studios that will want to have this attached to it. I suspect Stars is very, very likely, but HBO as well is quite a possibility, I would have thought, in the US. Uh, And even the, uh, it's the type of thing that Amazon may go after as well, because Amazon run Vikings over here. So, you know, that may be something that they go for possibly netflix but it it feels more like an amazon series to me if it's going to go to a streaming service it looks i i don't know i'm i'm quite impressed by this it's uh i mean hurst as well as doing vikings he's also been an emmy winner for the tudors and elizabeth which was nominated for seven Oscars, winning one, 12 BAFTAs, winning six, including Best British Film and Best Actress for Kate Blanchett. Working with somebody like Scorsese, one of the great advantages you have is you don't have problems getting actors because everybody wants to work with him, although you're (laughs) unlikely, I think, to see DiCaprio, De Niro, although not impossible, I guess, but they're, they're talking about going after young actors for the show because it's about the rise of people like Julius Caesar, so you're going to be looking for younger people probably. But yeah, I I uh, be very interested to see what they do in terms of the historical accuracy. He does saying that a lot of his stuff starts out in historical fact, but just like um, Shakespeare's history plays, it's only the start. With you start off with some historical fact, and then the drama takes over. You can't really have both necessarily. So um, yeah, I, which I think is a fair point. At the end of the day, they they are making historical dramas. They're not making documentary dramas. So you know, I think that's fair. But I. I I think that looks really interesting we'll uh, give you more when we know more on that i think next the sabrina the teenage witch series has come up with a bunch of casting this week have you know about this series have you have you been on when we talked about it before yeah it's such a weird one because sabrina the teenage witch i remember quite fondly yeah but also think of something that's quite terrible um not necessarily in a bad way and this is so different and i wasn't sure if there was anything particular to hook me into this new very different much darker kind Mm. of sabrina the teenage witch type thing because i don't watch it well i watch supernatural but i don't watch a huge amount of things in that particular area yeah and um yeah then i basically saw your document with the headlines for today and it says michelle gomez takes on the role (laughs) of the main villain in sabrina the teenage witch and i adore michelle gomez i think she's a brilliant actress yeah so i'm more interested for having been on this podcast with you today <laughs> right <Okay. laughs> just another thing to add to my ever-growing list of things to watch yes yeah uh this is coming to netflix this series uh it's it's not going to be the kind of cutesy series like the comedy that we had in the 90s the melissa joan hart comedy this is based on a comic book called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a much more dark adult kind of... It's it's in the same vein as, as Riverdale isn't really based on the old Archie comics. It's based on mm. this kind of darker imprint that they have, this sideline business that Archie comics have. So they're saying more in the vein of Rosemary's Baby or The Exorcist than the, uh, the light-hearted Melissa Joan Hart TV version. But essentially all the main elements are there. She's a witch, she's got two aunts, she's got a familiar 
called Salem, who is a black cat. One of the other casting things was they put a thing up on Twitter going, uh, and here he is introducing the new Salem. And it's a picture of a black cat. And somebody had like written, yeah, I, I really don't know what I was going to expect. Because, <laughs> <You know>, <laughs> yes, it's a picture of a black cat. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if they've announced who's voicing that cat yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the cat is still a talking cat. It is in there. So uh, the casting they've got, though, is uh, Michelle Gomez, who you will know for playing Missy in Doctor Who, is probably most famously or most recently. Uh, Michelle Gomez is playing the person who becomes the main villain. She is uh, Mary Wardle. She's Sabrina's favourite teacher and mentor at Baxter High School. She's unfortunately possessed by the devil's handmaiden, Madam Satan, and turns into a sultry, cunning manipulator, always trying to lure Sabrina down the path of night. So uh, that I think that's that's completely up her alley it's totally the sort of thing she does so well so uh yes I, i'm very excited to have her in as the villain i think she's going to be brilliant interestingly they're all british most of these new casting announcements they've also <laughs> announced that uh, are they all also villains <laughs> no no well they're not okay. so they don't appear to be no they've announced a a relative newcomer it's a guy called uh, chance podamo who is landed the role as sabrina's warlock cousin from england ambrose spellman uh he's living in the funeral home because sabrina lives in a funeral home with her aunts in this version uh so she's living in the funeral home with Sabrina and her aunts after being placed under house arrest by the witch's council who's described as wicky, puckish and pansexual and one of Sabrina's partners in crime always up to mischief. So uh, that's kind of a nice additional element. I don't know whether he was in the other version of the TV show, but uh, but he's there. And the other person that they've announced is Lucy Davis, who, uh, apart from being Etta in the recent Wonder Woman movie, is probably best known for playing Dawn in the original version of The Office. She is playing Hilda Spellman, who is the nicer of Sabrina's two aunts. Uh, Zelda was the other one, and she's kind of the, the more stern out of the two. Hilda has a motherly nature with a warm sense of humour. She's also has a wicked and ghoulish streak. She's uh, being a which, like the other Spellman women, she's capable of brewing, brewing up spiked jars against her family's enemies, along with concocting love potions for students at Baxter High. So I think that sounds like it could be quite a fun role for Lucy. Mm. Um, Lucy, I mean, I, I think Lucy's a great actress. And uh, when I posted that story first up on uh, Twitter or on the site and it went out on Twitter, somebody wrote back, it's slightly depressing when people who you think of as, as young are cast as aunts in a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> to which Lucy herself then replied, LOL, I know what you mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yes, I, I, but, uh, I, I'm quite happy with that, Cassie. I think that's a very good pick for that sort of role. I think she'll be really good in that. So uh, there's an actress called Kerner Shipka who is being in Feud and Mad Men. She's playing Sabrina. Jazz Sinclair, who was in The Vampire Diaries, was playing Rosalind Walker, who is Sabrina's best friend and the daughter of Greendale's minister as well. So uh, those are the other cast at the moment. We don't know any other casting yet. We don't actually know a proper title for the series because it's probably not going to be called Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's It could be called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but at the moment it's been referred to as the as-yet-untitled Sabrina series on Netflix. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll let you know when we hear more about that. And uh, lastly, we have Ryan Murphy has signed a $3 million deal with Netflix. Ryan Murphy is the man behind American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Feud, uh, Glee... 
numerous other things. This, I think, is one of the largest deals, or if not the largest deal Netflix have ever done of this sort. Uh, His current home is Fox, which is why a lot of the stuff goes out on Fox in the US. I mean, we don't know for sure it's worth 300 million, but that's certainly the number that's been quoted. He said, the history of this moment is not lost on me. I'm a gay kid from Indiana who moved to Hollywood in 1989 with $55 in my savings in my pocket. So the fact that my dreams of crystallizing come true in such a major way is an emotional and overwhelming for me. Well, yes, I'd be fairly emotional if somebody had me $300 million (laughs) on top of all the hit shows that he's already got as well. Yeah, it shows Netflix's continuing um, dedication to making the Netflix originals and pushing themselves to become more and more of a channel and less of a streaming service. Yeah, definitely. If you're panicking about the current shows, American Horror, American Crime Story, Feud, 911, and the upcoming already announced Pose, all of those are outside of this deal. So they will all stay on Fox in the US and on the various channels that they're on over here. So uh, BBC and Fox and um, 911 actually hasn't got a home over here yet. But so, you know, Netflix may actually grab that. But at the moment, there's that's not going to home. So all those shows are outside of this Netflix deal. So they're all staying where they are. The uh, five year, it's a five year agreement. So it's not even like a lifetime agreement of 300 million. It's a five-year agreement that he has, and uh, that only covers no sh- new shows and new films. So it's uh, it's going to cover a lot of different content, hopefully. I hope they're, they're working him quite hard, I would have thought, for that. Um, One would imagine. <laughs> uh, he's only the latest. There's a long line of producers that have actually gone down this route quite recently. Shonda Rhimes, for all her new stuff, has got a similar exclusive deal on Netflix. Orange is the New Black and Weeds, Jenna Cohn has also got a similar deal Friends and Grace of Frankie Marta Kaufman has got a deal like that as well Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman signed a deal with Amazon as did Gilmore Girls and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel creator Amy Shulman Palladino so they've got exclusive deals over on Amazon yeah it's, it's kind of quite interesting he's already Murphy's already got two new series in the works uh, Ratchet or Ratchet which is starring Sarah Paulson. It's about the origin story of Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The Politician, which is now a long comedy starring a Tony Award winner, Ben Platt. So those are already working on Netflix as well. There will be more new shows coming over the next five years, but we'll have to wait and see what they are. So uh, that's all the news for this week. We've not got an interview because we had the two little interviews earlier, so there's no big interview this week. So we're going to move straight on to highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week on TV. There's a lot of stuff coming back or starting next week. You've got Big Bang Theory returning for second half of season 11. That's on 22nd of February at 8pm on E4. That's going to be followed directly by Young Sheldon. That's coming at 8.30. Young Sheldon I'm quite interested in seeing because it's a very different kind of animal to Big Bang Theory. You know, because it's a single camera comedy. It's not a multicam with studio audience. So I'm sort of interested to see what Young Sheldon turns out to be like. It looks a bit wonder yearsy for me. I have to say for me, some of the running jokes and things in Big Bang Theory have worn quite thin and some of the directions that the comedy's taken I do yeah. not find funny. Right. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> um I did enjoy 
some of it to start with, but I felt that the more they kind of developed it and the more they yeah. moved it into more of a drama, comedy drama type thing, that some of the humour is not resonating with me the way it was for some of the earlier episodes. That's me being political there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yes, that is back for uh, uh, 22nd of February at 8pm for that and then 8.30 for Young Sheldon. The Tick is back for the second half of its first season. That's on the 23rd of February on Amazon Prime. Now, this is a show you are a fan of. Yeah, it's weird one because I still don't entirely know if I like it but I clearly watched the whole of the first half of the season so I'm probably <laughs> going to watch the second half of the season. I, I like Miss Lint a lot. I find the tick himself quite infuriating but like I said I did watch all of it. Yes, yeah. I, I really <laughs> quite enjoy it. I'm very much the same sort of... I don't know why I enjoy it so much but yes I do quite enjoy yeah, that show. It's, it's quite an old-fashioned style of comedy in some ways and not in others. An interesting mix, definitely something that's quite different yeah. and it's quite different from the cartoon so it's not even a nostalgia thing yeah i know worth going to watch if you like your uh, sort of superhero comedy things that's quite good stole's rebels back for the second half of that season that's on the 24th of february at nine o'clock this is the second half of the very final season of that i'm assuming that they are going to come up with another animated series but uh, at the moment this will be the last of the star wars animated series for now it's been a really really good show that i think it's mm. been fairly it's solid found its feet as it went on it started yeah. off and it was i mean it's a weird to say it's it's obviously it's a children's cartoon but it started off quite childish yeah. and almost kind of incidental and then they've tied it into so many places and like watching the the last film makes yeah. more sense if you've seen the cartoon yeah yeah because that very much goes into changing the way the forces and going towards the greys and the wills and um a lot of the the core things of star wars are being reworked and rebels is one of the places they're doing that so mm. For Star Wars fans, it's quite an important part of the canon. Now everything's connected. Um, yeah. And it's been, it's been. I think some things were handled better in Rebels than they were in The Last Jedi. Yeah. I when it comes to sensitively changing true. things rather than just throwing things sort of out the window and changing things up really dramatically. The yeah, the the, uh, the the Rebel series has really kind of introduced stuff in a much more natural and well-paced way in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And reintroducing Thrawn, of course, in the uh, Rebel series, which I think a lot of people were very, very happy about because I think that was one of the major characters that got lost in the um, sort of purge when Disney took over. And I think a lot of people were quite happy to have him folded back into continuity somewhere, even if it was in a slightly different place to where he was originally. But I think mm. people people like having him back as a villain. Yeah, the extended universe, um, sort of all the books and things, which is now called Legends, yeah. had a lot of fans. And if they're going to cherry pick the best part of those things and pull them in in another way, I think that's a, another way of keeping the old the old school of fans interested in the new stuff yeah, definitely. as well, keeping some of those elements, even if they rework them. So it is an interesting one. And Rebels was, I started watching it because my nephew's watching it, who's like four. <laughs> Um, but actually it's um yeah it's pretty it's pretty good it's pretty well put together yeah worth definitely if you're a star wars fan and you've not caught rebels yet well worth going to watch it's a very solid series mercy street season two of that coming to drama which is a, a hospital drama set in the american civil war that's uh 25th of february at 8 p.m for that top gear returns for its 25th season that's on the 25th of february at 8 p.m on bbc2 um i'd it'd be interested to see how they're gelling this year because it was certainly the the first season 
of the new presenters was a disaster. The second season was infinitely, infinitely better. I'm, I'd be interested to see how Matt LeBlanc, Chris Harris and Rory Reid are, are working together now for this third season. Because I do want Top Gear to do well, you know, without the three idiots that went over to uh, Amazon. Uh, much as I adore the Grand Tour as well, but I do want Top Gear to to be good. So uh, so I'm hoping, wishing them all well. I'm, and uh, certainly last season was infinitely better than the season before it. So hopefully this will improve once again. Strike Career is ev- of Evil, as we mentioned, that's 25th of February at 9pm. That's coming. Uh, they were really good, well worth watching. Ash versus Evil Dead Season 3 coming to uh, Virgin Media On Demand on the 26th of February, uh, which I haven't seen because I don't have Virgin Media. So, uh, but uh, if well you do... Well worth seeing. Well yes. worth seeing. Ash versus Evil Dead is exactly as stupid for the right reasons, as funny <laughs> as you would want. It's Bruce Campbell all over. If anyone's a fan of um, Evil Dead, especially like sort of the second and third ones, the very silly bits, that's exactly what this is. And it works very well in a TV format as well. Good, good. Yeah, I, I will try and get hold of it somewhere where it... I think there were DVDs out of it, so I might try and get hold of that somewhere. Walking Dead is back for second half of season eight on Fox. That's on the 26th of February at 9pm. So more monsters and undead in that as well. I want to see how this season finishes. I know it had a very controversial end to the mid-season point with a certain character being, well, not quite killed off, but nearly killed off. And uh, he's basically terminal at the moment. So um, I know that wasn't a popular decision. I want to see what happens next and how that goes. But uh, we'll we'll see. Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams back for second half of that season. That's on 26th of February at 10pm. Then The Flash is back for the second half of season four, finally on the 27th of February at 8pm. That, of course, will be followed by Arrow and then followed by Legends. Supergirl is not back until March because it's off. It's basically running four episodes and then it it goes off and then starts again in March. So when it comes back, we will only be one week behind the US because of the way things shake out. We're actually not that far behind on all of them. We're only two weeks behind on Legends. We're a bit further behind of Arrow and Flash, but... I mean, Sky, God bless them, are doing the best they can to bring these things back as soon as they can. It's just the CW really messed around with the scheduling this year. Um, They're working around Super Bowls and all sorts at the moment, aren't they? That was only like a week ago or something. Yeah, there's Super Bowls, there's Winter Olympics to work around, there's holidays Mm. like it's President's Day this weekend, so a lot of shows are off because it's President's Day. There's all sorts of holidays and weird things that go on over this period so you always get a lot of jumping around which is why you get big delays and it means that it causes problems and they can't run them as solid blocks over here and we've been through this before it's basically it's an issue with advertisers and over here you if you have lots of breaks and things it causes issues so they're doing the best they can but uh you know it's i know it's a pain i know it means we get things a little bit later but we're actually not as far behind as you think we are and certainly by the time we get to the end of the series we will probably end up being only one week behind again it's uh mm. I mean, you used to be years behind i remember when we had to wait years for things to come out on yep. tv and we only had four channels or five channels to do yes. it 
So we have seen good even less. The days. It's, it's <laughs> back when I was a youth. We Couldn't, didn't even have text messages. Um, go downloading things. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, the fact that they can get things so that we're only a week behind, I think, is is brilliant because the fans for these things are global, and we talk globally, and the the forums and the social media for these things are global. So it's in their interests to have it running as as close as possible now and i think everyone's aware of that you know doing these slower releases in different countries just means that everyone finds out what's going to happen from whichever country gets it first so they're obviously doing their best to to get rid of that problem and keep all of the the talking about it that goes on on social media uh, in time with each other for different countries because all it does is help hype their series even more yeah so um i'm very happy to have those back though because uh the flash ended particularly in a very interesting place so um looking forward to seeing that but 27th of february that starts which is i think the tuesday so then wednesday for arrow and thursday for legends for that the Middle is back for the second half of its ninth and final season. That's on 27th of February at 8pm on Comedy Central. iZombie returns for season four on the 27th of February on Netflix, which I am looking forward to because I'm actually up to date on iZombie finally. Um, I love iZombie so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, when I started watching it, I thought it was just going to be procedural and maybe a bit throwaway and funny and it was very different to the comic book and it's just got so good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I love the way they have the characters develop and change and how the roles switch around and you like the bad guys as much as the good guys and yeah. if any of them are bad guys even yeah, um, yeah. It becomes very, a very, very grey really yeah yeah, yeah. No, it's really, they managed really... to make the the week the kind of you know case of the week thing work yeah. as part of the longer plot so it doesn't feel tired yeah. at all yeah and uh, props to her for being able to act so many different characters as facets <laughs> of one character. Yeah, it's such a fun show. Really thoroughly enjoy it. I'm I'm glad I'm finally up to date with it. I will be watching that weekly. I think now it's uh, coming back. So 27th of February on Netflix for iZombie season four. Divorce season two of that, which is Sarah Jessica Parker's HBO show. That is coming back on the 27th of February at 10 p.m. And then Unreal, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, third season of that, 27th of February on Amazon Prime. It's a show about a reality dating show, and you kind of think, really, I, you know, do you want to watch this sort of thing? It's just beautifully, beautifully written. None of the characters are particularly likable, but that's sort of what it makes it so great. It's about a bunch of narcissists that are making this TV show about a bunch of even more narcissistic people. It's, it's, it's just so wonderfully written. I, I can't recommend that show highly enough, but uh, really, really, really entertaining, and I'm really very happy that's back for a third season. That's on 27th of February on Amazon Prime. And and that's everything, unless you've got anything else you want to put in. I think that's plenty for everyone to be getting <laughs> on with, really. Yes. Uh, so, where can people find you? People can find me as Trista Bytes, uh, spelt bytes like a computer byte, because I'm doubly geeky and thought it was funny and still have to explain how to spell my name every <laughs> single week. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the YouTube, obviously. I can be found on the Geek Town website and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the, all the such like, all under the same slightly hard to spell name. <laughs> yes. And uh, for us, you can go to Geek Town 
pound.co.uk throughout the week for the latest air date info and lots of news. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, you can email us on podcast at geekdown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geekdown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geekdown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geekdown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.